Welcome back to the Two Months Podcast, presented by BioStill and powered by GoGo Sports. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. My co-host was, is with me this evening. We got Phil Stockley. Phil, how's it going? Uh, going pretty good. Uh, you know, set up the set up the man cave and the little uh, area here that I'm going to be recording in from now on. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, my son took my office as his bedroom because the boys split up now and have their own rooms. So here we are. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of what I've been up to here. Having some fun, right? And uh, you got yeah, it. I don't have my lease set up gear yet, but uh, our next guest is going to kind of probably have a laugh at what you have set up and maybe future what I have set up. But uh, our next guest is back, back with us. And uh, this is uh, multiple hits he does with us. And we, uh, we're proud to have him on uh, monthly with us this season. It's going to be awesome. And the season is getting going. We like to welcome Bob Stoffer from the Edmonton Oilers and the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network and Roger Sportsnet on the regional coverage. Stoff, how's it going? Oh, great. I mean, it's kind of funny, right? Like I'm sitting here doing the two months podcast and, you know, Josh is a Leafs fan and and Phil, I can see, you know, you've honored two hard-nosed guys that uh, overcame, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, the fact that they weren't the biggest guys, but uh, they're real good players for the Calgary Flames. So, you know, it's it's, it's kind of funny because I, I, t- I, I tend to put pretty specific uh, Oilers stuff out on Twitter. And I can always tell when I've rankled uh, uh, the nerves of maybe somebody that's a, a strong supporter of Austin Matthews or someone that just flat out despises the Edmonton Oilers. Sometimes they're from Calgary. So I, I get a good chuckle with it. It certainly provides an interesting perspective. Yeah, actually, I was gonna. I was actually thinking about this, Bob. I was gonna ask you how do you how do you deal with the haters on Twitter and social media and and people who uh, you know might not always agree with your takes. Well, first of all, Phil, you don't have to agree with all of the takes. That's kind of part of what we do is we have dialogue and discussion. Um, but I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, you know, it's funny. Just before we did this tonight, I went to walk our dog and uh, with my family, and we have a golden retriever. And a number of years ago, I was with my wife and my son, and a neighbor had a golden retriever. And the neighbor's a much smaller man than me, uh, and he lost control of his dog, and his dog attacked my dog in front of my son. And so I had to sort of break the two dogs up and I wasn't too happy with the guy at the time. And uh, my son was really rattled and his dog bit my hand as I grabbed his dog basically off of my, our dog. And tonight I went walking by and I saw him and it's pretty clear, you know, his dog has passed away. Like he doesn't have his dog anymore. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I, I just sort of, you know, gave him the nod and he gave me the nod and, you know, I think empathy goes a long way in trying to figure out motivations in other people. And and the lesson in that is you never truly understand what anybody else is going through. So even when guys rip on you or have really aggressive takes, um, guys or gals, uh, sometimes you just, you know what, you just got to kind of roll with it, you know, especially when you work for a team and, and work for an organization. Like, yeah, you got to have broad shoulders and you got to have thick skin. There's some disappointing comments. I try not to block people, Phil. Uh, now, if they swear at me or if they use a sexually derogatory term in a tweet at me, then sometimes we'll block those guys. But most of the time, you know, I just sort of, you, you got to, like, I, I've talked to David Staples about this and he's blocked like 2,000 people. I can't imagine blocking, you know, I mean, I blocked probably under 100 and 80 to 90 of them have been 
with some sort of politically inappropriate one of the seven words that George Carlin says you can't see on TV, we're probably down to three. So I, I guess what I'm saying to you is, is you try to understand other people's uh, motivations, have some empathy because you never really know what anybody else is going through. And uh, and fair debate is fair debate. Like people don't have to agree with how I see things on a certain player. We're going to have that discussion tonight. Like, I, you know what? If I was in Toronto doing a show... First of all, I think the Leafs hired the perfect general manager to replace Kyle Dubas because I think the Leafs need something different. And I think they've built their team differently, and I think they're a legitimate threat to win the Eastern Conference. I think Calgary's going to be better than what people think they're going to be. I'm surprised they regressed to the level that they did last season. Uh, and I am not a ABC guy. You know what ABC is? Anybody yeah, I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm not an ABC guy. I'd rather see Calgary and Vancouver have really good seasons and battle it out with Edmonton for top spot in the Pacific division uh, than say Vegas and Seattle. And, you know, I know, I know Kelly McCrimmon. I know Rick Olchek with Seattle, Kelly in Vegas, but at the end of the day, fair criticism is fair criticism. If it gets a little rude or gets a little heated, sometimes I wonder where it's coming from. So usually I just try to diffuse most of those scenarios. And sometimes I have fun with it. Like when guys would text the show and say, Hey, Stoffer, you suck. I, you know, I text back and say, Uncle Brian, quit texting the show. Yeah. You know, like I try to try to have it, you know. And I learned that from Ryan Jones. I don't know if I told the story before to you guys, but we were in New York in the island, and it was when the orders weren't very good. And they were leaving the ice, and the fans are really close in that old building, that old Nassau County Coliseum. And I could literally hear them cat calling the orders as they left the ice and then suddenly everybody stopped and started laughing and i was like what happened so i asked a couple of guys and then and they said well you know the fans were saying you guys suck you guys are losers and ryan jones had looked up at the stands and said dad quit following the team on the road and i just thought it was a you know a, a perfectly executed <laughs> comeback so yeah. have a little bit of fun with it is what i'm saying it's and understand that sometimes maybe some other people out there are going through some tough times and you got to have some empathy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, great and well said by you, Bob. And yeah, you've been uh, tremendous to me over the years and um, you know, against I'm, my better job. Yes, exactly. Probably. Right. So <laughs> um, uh, Phil, do you want to clearly close out on that? I know you kind of asked that question, but you want to kind of dive into that a little bit more or say anything there? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's so true, and you know, even like when we had Ron McLean on, you know, like his his whole uh, thought on that kind of same situation was like, you know, everybody is somebody's son or daughter or mother or father, right? So you, you don't know what people are going through, man. And yeah. you know what? You know, at the end of the day, ask yourself: Would you really wish ill upon somebody else? And don't get me wrong; yeah. I had competitive juices, was a fiery guy, and I want to beat up, you know. I, there was, I'm less concerned about it now. Um, but I kind of look at it like guys, like I'm lucky. I got a really unique combination of roles, you know, between doing the color on the games, hosting the show. We'll see how it goes with the move into the late afternoon. And then, uh, and then going on Roger, you know, NHL hockey and Rogers and sports that, that, that trio of jobs. I mean, there's a lot of other people that wish that have the opportunity to do those. So I certainly recognize how lucky I am. 
Yeah, that's uh, you say it. What is it? The toy department of 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 for yeah, that's Green Griffiths line. I got to credit the source. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We work in the toy toy department of life. Yeah, so there you have it. There you go. Mutz fans, so much going on right now in the live sporting events, concerts, everything going on. You know, you got wrestling events, you got the NBA, you got the NFL, you got hockey coming back. Like so much going on. So use the promo code Two Months Pod when you guys go to SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and get $20 off your purchase for these live events. You guys won't be disappointed. They'll help you on the bucks. You know, save that $20, get you a couple beers, maybe have some popcorn, whatever you want for that, saving that $20 going in. And, you know, use these live events, man. There's so much going on right now. Uh, this is the greatest time. Um, all these sports are firing back up. So all four major sports will be ready to go. Then you guys got the Drake concerts, the T-Swift concerts. There, there's so much happening right now. So, so many great events to be a part of. So don't be disappointed when you guys go to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code 2 Pod, all capitals. That's the promo code 2 Pod, all capitals, to get $20 off your purchase. This public service announcement is brought to you by our friends at CDN. Here's a crazy thought. Not all teamwear needs a team logo. Stand out in the crowd and rep your team colors with one of CDN's hockey hats. Listen, these hats are phenomenal. We just got ours a little while ago and we've been wearing them nonstop. You know when you find a hat you love and you just can't take it off? Yep, that's how we feel with our CDN hat. Every time we wear it out, we get asked, where did you get that hat? I know what you're thinking. How can I get one? Cue the details. Shop online 24-7 at www.wearecdn.ca and use the promo code 2MUTS for 15% off your order. Again, that's www.wearecdn.ca to get your new favorite hat and use the discount code 2MUTS at checkout for 15% off your order. Now back to the show. We'll go to the Oilers uh, theme here, and this is uh, sponsored by our friends at Shadify Salon and Barbershop. Shaddy just loves you, Bob. So uh, He's, he's the only one. one. He he's a big fan of yours. Every time we see him, he's like, tell stuff. I say hello. So maybe you got to say hello back to Shaddy here. Hey, Shaddy, what's up? Send me a check. There you go. Exactly. But uh, um, so let's move to the Oilers theme here. Um, You're obviously done some great interviews over the last little week here in the new time slots. Um, Is anything in any of those interviews stood out to you with Connor Uh, Ekholm or Jeff Jackson or uh, any of the others? Well, I mean, I don't think it's lost in anybody. And and look, I hear a lot of the Calgary guys, if not the whole team in Calgary. I, I think teams realize you have to be all in to win. And, uh, you know, I went down there Tuesday morning, coming off, out of Labor Day, and knew right away that the, the large percentage of the team were there, or all the team was there that's expected to be on the team. And their captain skates and... You know, I just think of how much this stuff's evolved, you guys. Like, I, you know, I worked at the University of Alberta from 2000 to 2008. And for several of those years, we hosted the Kevin Primo conditioning camp. And I used to, you ready for this? Yes. I used to fax, fax a list 
of who was at that camp to the media guys in town so that they would know who was down there for, for a conditioning camp. And, um, you know, and guys would sort of work around their golf schedule and that sort of thing. And, you know, the serious guys would be there five out of five days a week, the semi-serious guys four and, you know, the half milers would do three. And, and now, now we're in, you know, then they'd roll in a training camp. Now training camp was different back then. It was longer. Uh, I think one year they might've had these 10 or 12 games, uh, two days and all that kind of stuff. They're much more everything because of the CBA is different now. Uh, but I think it bodes well for any team that's got a large percentage of their team skating together. And that's the case for the others. And then the other thing that I picked up on is I, and it doesn't surprise anybody. Uh, I think there's a realization there was a missed opportunity last year. You know, they're right there with Vegas, tied 2-2 in the series, outshot the Golden Knights, whatever it was, 75-53 in the final two games, had a bad three-minute stretch in Vegas where they lost uh, 4-3, and then Aiden Hill stole game six, right? And and then Vegas got up 3-0 on Dallas and beat Florida in five. So Certainly, there was an opportunity for Edmonton to kick the door in last year and win the Stanley Cup. I would say that would be the first time. Like, you know, yeah, they lost to Colorado in the conference final. Maybe they went further the year before. But just by virtue of the addition of Eckholm, to me, they were closer to a Stanley Cup caliber team last year. And now they got to take that next step. And I think that basically anybody connected to the organization realizes that's the position they're in. Yeah. Um, you were, you were doing a hit with, uh, Frank Cervalli. Uh, he was trying to come up with a, come up with a cool name for that, uh, Friday night, uh, interview that you guys will have or, yeah. or Friday nights with Frank or whatever it is. Uh, um, but, uh, the, one of the topics that I, that was intriguing to me is, uh, your, your thoughts on Jack Campbell and how he looks right now as he comes into the captain skates. Can you, uh, can you guys dive in a little more deeper into that stuff? All I can tell you is it's clear his body composition has changed. And far be it for a fat 245 to 250 pound broadcaster to comment on the fitness level of a professional athlete. Um, but it appears as though he's slimmed down. Uh, I fully expect Jack to have a better year. He had a tough campaign. That's a given. Didn't go well for the Oilers with him last year. Excuse me, guys. I'm going to, I'm having a bit of an allergic reaction. I'm in the cat room upstairs. Oh, so this is the bonus room. Yeah. And we have, uh, we have one cat that's in here permanently, and so sometimes uh, the 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 allergies act up after a while. And I, I don't think I have the window open. But uh, long story short, I I expect Jack to bounce back. I do. Uh, I to be honest with you, it would not surprise me if both Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner both had forty to forty seven appearances this year. Like I I, I think it's going to be split between the two of them. Uh, and Campbell played pretty well down the stretch, and I think that. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that he can realize some of the potential that he has in the game. So, yes, and fr- I think Friday Nights with Frank is a great header, too, that we can probably go with for our yeah. friends at Horse Racing Alberta. Exactly. Phil? Uh, how many seasons is this now that you're going to be with the Oilers, Bob? Uh, this would be the 16th. 16th season. Yes. Um, is that right? So I was going to ask you. Two, three. We'll, we'll let you. 12. Yeah, this would be the 16th. 16th. So I was going to ask you um, to go over, like, what was it? How how did you get your start with the Oilers? And how uh, do you have a good story for maybe that first season with the Oilers? I do have a good story. 
Uh, you know, in the 0708 year, uh, well, full disclosure, I had actually discussed working for a team in town, but not the Oilers during the lockout year in 05, 04, 05. Uh, and that was with the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, they were going to go to a salary management system and they were going to have to change how they did Canadian scouting. And I watched more university and junior football than anybody that they had in their staff. We had a conversation. I spoke to somebody with the orders at that time and he just said, wait. Um, and it's, I think it's well known that, you know, my show was an independent and it was, you know, I got word that Daryl Cates was interested in, uh, purchasing the team and also building a downtown arena. Uh, you know, I was family friends with uh, Ken Nichols. He texted me yesterday because he's moved to Texas. So he was rubbing it in last night when the Longhorns, frankly, knocked the snot out of Alabama and won that game in Alabama 34-24. knows I'm a big, big Crimson Tide fan. But at the end of the day, Daryl had a vision for a downtown arena. He was going to spend up to the cap and he was going to do everything possible to keep his best players. Um, and some of that vision got explained on our show, uh, though I never said specifically where I got the information from. Mm -hmm. So it turned out that an opportunity presented itself in August of 2008. And I said, yes, I mean, there's between radio and TV, I guess there's 64 color jobs in the National Hockey League. And then in terms of uh, a funny story, so Rod Phillips, I did his last two years where I did the color. And on the first road trip, he looked at me and he goes, because he knew I did the Golden Bears. Uh, Phil, I did the Golden Bears for 13 years, uh, 89 and 92 and 08, uh, 98 to 08. And he said, Bob, how many uh, games did you broadcast last year for the Golden Bears where they lost? And I said, four, because they won the national title. Derek Ryan was their third line center that year. I said, four. He goes, really? I go, yeah, four, because I didn't do the games in the first half of the year. They lost like four in the second half of the season, but they won the national title. And he goes, well, we're going to lose a hell of a lot more than four. We, you know, we could lose as many as 45. You know, we'll probably lose between 35 to 45 games. So you need to realize first lesson when you're on the road, win or lose, we're going to booze. We're going to have at least one drink afterwards and <laughs> sit back. And so I just, I just listened to a lot of his stories. You know, he was around the Oilers in the Halcyon days of the 1980s. It was really Bill Twilley, Rod Phillips, and Jim Matheson. They were the day-to-day -day guys. Obviously, we have a little bit bigger entourage. So from the first couple of years, that was, you know, Mac T did the first year, 08-09, basically resigned himself. Um, and he's going to join me every Monday now, now for about an hour. It's going to be called Mac T on Mondays as he's pretty much retired from coaching. And I've always respected that Kevin Lowe and Mac T made Edmonton their home after they're done. They were committed guys. So we're going to have some fun with Mac T and he's not going to free pass me in anything. And the fans are going to love it because they're going to like him giving me a hard time once in a while. Uh, but, uh, and then we had Pat Quinn, God rest his soul in nine ten, And then the change was made to Tom Rennie for a couple of years. And then we went Ralph Kruger for a year and then Dallas Akins for a year and a half and Todd Nelson. Todd McClellan was a little bit different animal because he'd had a lot of success in San Jose. Yeah. And he, of course had Jay Woodcroft. So uh, it's been interesting. Um, the Oilers have never been closer during the time that I've done the games. And right now, in fact, I'd argue to them, to you guys, they've never been closer since 87, 88. Because nobody saw them winning in 89, 90. And nobody saw them making it to the Stanley Cup final in 05, 06. So in my opinion, this is the best team on paper since the 87, 88 season. That's, uh, that's awesome. Um, 
Yeah, and it's been you know the 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 knowledge you have in the game, and and obviously the great policy you have with the Oilers is is amazing. And as we said before, it, uh, you know the listeners love you. You're our no, oh, you're not, not all the time. Good. Not all the time. On our on our end, they do. So we get the good people, I guess, right? So no, there's good people everywhere. But um, yeah, you're not going to have everyone that agrees with everything you say or do 100. percent And uh, I don't know, Josh, but I'll I'll give you an example. So last year, do you remember what the game in LA? Right, right after in the New Year. Yeah. And the King, Kings won six three, and there were three fights, and Dino jumped Paul Yarby, and and then Costin uh, fought Lemieux at the end of the game. Uh, I think Hyman and Der- Sean Dersey fought. And Dersey, yeah, they fought. And I, I remember the next day I went on the air and um, their record was 21, 18, and three. And I'd said at the start of the season, they'd finished with 47 to 52 wins. And I said, I'm not wavering on this. They're going to finish with 47 to 52 wins because they have a way easier schedule in the second half. And all these guys, you know, probably 60% of the techs are like, you such a homer. And, you know, they sign your paycheck and you're a loser and you suck and, you know, yeah. all this stuff. And so we have a five-year ability on the text line to manage what, see what guys say at that number, right? And so it was funny. Like, I know when uh, when Edmonton got to the 50-win plateau, at least eight to ten texters that ripped me said, Bob, I ripped you when you said they'd still win 47 to 52 wins. You were right. Uh, it's the last time I'll ever admit that you're right. But, uh, you know, like, Josh, you're going to have times people don't agree with you and people like you. It comes with the territory. And sometimes they're justified in feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll stick with the Oilers teams. Um, you know, Phil and I were kind of talking about this before we jumped on and uh, and before you jumped on. But I wonder where you stand with, um, you know, the the and then you touched on this a little bit before in some of the episodes you've done with us and bringing maybe the ice time down from McDavid and dry settle. But do you think the power play minutes for them will drop down or do you think they'll still do the two minutes? And then how would you engage the roster a bit more where there isn't a chat where, where the bottom six isn't playing six minutes tonight is which way would you, you know, you utilize those players or whether their role is more utilized and they feel like they have a role. Do you know uh, what Bear Bryant, who before Nick Saban was generally considered the greatest college football coach in history, said who the best coach was? Uh, Well, I think the best coach, Nick Saban, but yeah, sorry. Well, he said said the best coach is the guy that walks off the bus with the best players. Yes. The better the players, the easier it is to coach a team. If If you look at where Edmonton was when they lost to Winnipeg, right, in 21, in the spring of 21, uh, if you look at that time, they didn't have Hyman, they didn't have Evander Kane in their top six, and they didn't have Ekholm on their defense. Mm-hmm. They just simply have a better team. Uh, would I cut the first unit power play minutes down? No, because they're the greatest power play we've ever seen. And now they have Bouchard, which created a completely different look in the playoffs. And the power play was even better against better teams. Like LA and Vegas were better teams yeah. than some of the weaker teams. So I wouldn't cut... But where I would cut is the five-on-five five minutes, and you're going to be able to do that because I think the club has to transition Holloway into the lineup more and play him. And I, I know they had success with Derek uh, Ryan along with Fogel and Ryan McLeod. But personally, we saw in New York earlier in the year last year Holloway play with McLeod and Fogel, and that's the line that I'd play as third line. And I'd play that line 13 to 15 minutes every game. 
lots of five on five time and then on defense. So I would like to see McDavid and Drysaddle each play one minute fewer per game. Just, but I would keep them out on the power play because they're dominant. And then in terms of the uh, defense, I'd actually like to see Nurse come down by about 90 seconds per game. And I think you're going to be able to do it because now you have Eckholm. So maybe you play Darnell 22 and a half instead of 24 and a half. And then you you play Eckholm 20 and then you got Kulak at 17 to 18. And on the right side, Bouchard's going to play 22 because he's going to play in the power play. Uh, and this is where Broberg comes in. He's had success playing the right time. And I think they got to, he's got to earn it. But I wouldn't be surprised if he finds a way to play more than 12 minutes a game. And then you still have CC that can play 20 minutes. And that still leaves you day RNA. But I think they need to, they need, I think part of the reason why they're going to be able to balance out the minutes is because they've transitioned the last two years, uh, Bouchard on defense and McLeod up front. And I now think it's time to transition Holloway and Broberg. And I'm I'm confident in believing that those two guys can accomplish that. Yeah, I, I feel like Holloway is probably going to be interchangeable into the top six with Connor Brown. I think those two guys will slot each other in and out. But maybe, that, yeah. Like the only reason why I say it is like I just I wonder how how much you know usage Connor Brown's going to want before this he gets up to running. Like obviously coming off an ACL, is he? Yeah. You know how many preseason games he gets in? Does he chomp for more than the usual veteran would just to get the game? you know, game speed up or, you know, does he have a slower start? But, you know, I've obviously watched him in Toronto. The guy's, he's a heck of a player. And like you said, he's Hyman like, um, so I, I think that'll be a good ad for them. And it adds, like, if you break those guys up on each different lines, that's just a great two way element that you're going to have with Nuge in the lineup too. So I think they're five on five numbers and the goals against numbers are going to drop. Like I would say substantially this year. So well, I think if they if their if their goals against numbers drop substantially, then they will be, they won't be a top five team. But you know what? Saying that last year, they were two points out of first in the Western Conference. Yes, because they're going to be able to score. Like they led the league in scoring last year, and they have the best power play. Yeah. And last year was the first time five on five when McDavid and Drysaddle uh, were not on the ice, where they were you know, plus in goal differential, right? Mm-hmm. And they were double digits plus in goal differential. And so, uh, you know, and I, and I, and I think goaltending is going to play a factor. And I think Eckholm, they were ninth in the league in goals against when Eckholm uh, came over for the final 21 games. I mean, the Oilers won 18, two and one in those 21 games. So uh, they also have a favorable schedule to start the year. They have a lighter workload, which allows them to, get everybody up to speed. You make an interesting point on Brown though, in terms of how much, because I think we know for sure that Sutter and Gagne are coming in on PTOs. Maybe another guy comes in, maybe another one doesn't. Yeah. But last year, I think they played Vertan in five of six first six games. So he had lots of work and I expect Sutter and Gagne, if Gagne, you know, if they're ready to go, that they'll get lots of work out of the gate as well. Yeah. Cause what is the eight preseason games they have? I yes. Mean, eight preseason. So, I mean, if they're both healthy and hundred percent, I can see them both playing you know, five of the first six games. Correct. Yeah. And I think Brown plays the five of the first six games too, but maybe there's a, I, like, I just wonder what the ACL does. Do they ease him in? And then he plays more. Maybe like you're right. Five. Yeah. Maybe I you're right. Think. Well, it'll be interesting to see Phil, you have anything there. I know you want to have some flame stuff, but do you have any, some more of their stuff there before we move on? Yeah. I was actually going to ask you, um, they say like the whole team is there right now. How, how does Sutter and Gagne look? And, 
that I've not, I, I I've not made a seen, comment. I, I have not seen either guy on the ice yet. So I just yeah, okay. yeah, I just went down there to do the interviews. Did not oh, I watched about twenty-five minutes on Wednesday. So it's really tough to tell in that sort of yeah. Right. So but Campbell yeah. Campbell looks lighter and quicker. That's and then uh so uh, I kind of brought this up on the podcast with in our round table. Uh, do you think like that move to bring those guys in is to to give maybe like a guy like McLeod a bit a bit of a push to take the next step? Oh, I think McLeod's firmly entrenched as a third line center on the team. Kills penalties, needs to continue to work in the faceoff circle. Can he become a fifteen goal, forty point third line center? That'll help him in his next contract. Yeah, probably. They're they've got a like right now. If you look at their team, they got eleven for sure forwards. Right. Let's just operate under the context for the sake of argument that they're going to go uh, Evander Kane with McDavid and Connor Brown, and then they're going to go Zach Hyman on the right side if Nugent Hopkins on left side and Dry Settle at center, and then you know Holloway with McLeod and Fogle. That leaves Yanmark and Derek Ryan. Those 11 forwards are on the team. Uh, I have 7D on the team. I got Broberg on the team. So, you know, maybe we're looking, and I know they played Eckholm and Bouchard, but maybe it ends up being Eckholm and uh, Broberg and and Bouchard plays with Nurse and then CC plays uh, along with Kulak and they balance the minutes of the pairings out a little bit more. And that leaves uh, Dayerne as a 7. They can't, so all they can afford is a fourth-line center, so, uh, and preferably a right shot. Now, Lane Peterson's a right shot at 775, and then you got two PTOs in Sutter. Can he jumpstart his career? He's a right shot. He's played exclusively center, and Gagne's sort of evolved, Phil, more like, frankly, like Derek Ryan, where he's played a lot more on the Mm -hmm. right side the last two or three years, but he can, you know, maybe play a little bit at center, too. So, you know, there's... Some say, well, what about James Hamlin? I guess he's got an outside chance. Uh, And I'd also say keep an eye on the waiver wire because you never know. You never know. But uh, to answer your question, I think the PTOs will both get a legitimate opportunity. Ken Holland's history is he doesn't bring in guys just for the sake of bringing guys in. He generally, it has to be a legitimate shot to make the team. So we'll see what happens. But I don't think it's necessarily Phil set in stone that it's going to be one of Sutter or Gagne that fills that 12th forward spot. There could be more options available than we even know about right now. All go. right. Yeah, Phil, you said you want to you want to move over the flames stuff there. You have some flame stuff you want to ask them. Let me put my flames deep thinking hats on here. There <laughs> <it goes. laughs> uh right on. Um yeah, so I was actually gonna I was gonna ask you, we kind of had a bit of a Again, in the, during the round table, we had a bit of a longer discussion about who who's going to be the Calgary Flames captain. Is there a captain in that room? Um, if 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 so, like who do you who do you peg as a captain of the Calgary Flames next season? Elias Lindholm, because I think they're going to get him signed to a long term deal. I think they're going to pay big bucks to do it. Um, I think he's their best player. I think he was actually. I mean, I know you got Goodrow over your. Uh, you know, for the viewers right now, for, over, for, over now the for now, for now, right? But uh, <laughs> I, I personally think Glenn Holmes going to end up. Being, I think they're going to get him done. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I don't think they'll get Hannafin done, 
Uh, Josh might have a better idea, or maybe you do fill on a guy like Backlund. But, you know, the Holm uh, played a factor in the recruitment of Jacob Markstrom. And I think that that's probably the guy that gets the, the best scenario of the guy that gets signed long-term. And uh, and I also think he's their best two-way player. So I would make him captain. That's what I would do if I was Calgary Flames. What do you think of that? I like that answer. I like that answer. I think that's a great answer. And and I know, uh, I think it was Brody McIntyre on the round table. He also chose Lindholm too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Bob and Brody were never wrong. No, his son just got into a fight, Turner uh, McIntyre, in the uh, WHL tonight, actually. So, Turner McIntyre. Are we still allowed to fight in junior hockey? Yeah, yeah. He's with uh, uh, the uh, the new team and, um, in Washington there. Wenatchee. Wenatchee, yes. I was just, yes. we're missing the name. But, uh, yeah, good on him. And, yeah, but Blake Fiddler scored for the Oil Kings uh, last night. So, uh, in in uh, the River Cree game. And I know they were playing in Red Deer today. I haven't seen what the results They won. Were. Four three, nice. yeah. No, uh, good on that. So, uh, looking to probably do some more WHL coverage. Um, what do you think of like just a quick thought on the WHL stuff? Um, where things are at right now, and what the uh, Oil Kings are up uh, up with here? With you know, they're bringing uh, Nash in with a trade that was pretty. I think that was pretty good. And then he obviously got Jerome's kid on the team, Blake's uh, Blake Fiddler. Uh, well, Jerome's team. kid's not going to be on the team because he's this year. Yeah. yeah, he's he yeah. was drafted, but. Uh, you know, I, it's funny. I just did an event up in Grand Prairie on Thursday with the Storm uh, Junior A. I mean, you know, anybody that knows me knows I'm a, a proponent of WHL. Um, I just wish they had fewer teams. Yes. You know, like when I when I grew up, I wasn't good enough to play in the Western League at 17. Um, There's 12 teams. We're at 22 teams right now, and uh, I think it's. And maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe I don't understand the nuance of what happens at the Memorial Cup. You know, uh, there was only eight kids out of the Quebec League drafted last year. I know we had, George, we guys know I have George on the show, and he he personally thinks the Quebec League isn't physical enough, and it results in a situation where guys are, you know, NHL organizations are a little, I mean, eight kids in the entire draft out of the Quebec League, but they keep winning the Memorial Cup. You know, and Quebec, I mean, Seattle had a loaded up team, six players off the Canadian World Junior team. They couldn't, you know, I mean, it was a ridiculously talented team and they lost. Now they got out coached. Patrick Watt did a really good job. So I'll stand by my comment. There's 22 teams. I'm not sure that 22 teams worth of players is available. When the league was 12 or 14 or 16 teams, they basically won the Memorial Cup two out of every three. So you know how long it's been since the WHL team won the Memorial Cup, Josh? I think it's, was it, is it 13 years or 14 now? That's, well, 2014, Edmonton won. Yeah, okay, oh, sorry, yeah. Okay, so now saying that, I think Edmonton might have had a better team had there been a 21 Memorial Cup than the team that went to 22. I think they were deeper in 21 without making those big trades. Uh, but that said, you know, the, it's, it's, I, I personally believe there's too many teams. I still think it's the best as, as long as, and I do think kids are more mentally mature than ever before. They've, they've had better coaching all the way through. We've now raised a generation of coaches that aren't yellers and screamers and don't believe in breaking people down and building them up because no one needs that. Uh, but at the end of the day, like you look at Ontario, they got 20 teams for 14.5 million people. You look at the Quebec League, and if you add the Atlantic provinces, maybe you can say, all right, they got 
what's in Quebec, 8.4, and then maybe, maybe another 1.6 million in the Atlantic. That's 10 million people for 18 teams. There's 22 teams in the WHL for 11 million mm-hmm. out west. That that seems a little high to me. So I'm sure Ron Robinson would have a healthy debate with me on this, but I am of the belief there's too many teams. Yeah. If they still produce really good players, and there's some very good people coaching and managing in that league, I just wish they had a couple fewer teams. Let's move over to the Leafs real quick here. Uh, it's first time getting you back on since Matthew is, Austin Matthews has uh, yeah. resigned. Um, and I do want to give uh, some pretty good kudos to Brad Tree Living, as you did earlier. Um, when I was going through a really tough time in my life about four years ago, um, Brad uh, and Peter Hanlon were absolutely tremendous to me and got me a conversation with Travis Hamanick. Um I just think Brad is more than just a hockey general manager. I think the guy's he's a great guy. He's an amazing person. Um, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today doing this interview if it wasn't for him. Um, and uh, he had a small part in my life. I know you know him more than I do, but uh, you know, I'm great to see that he got this contract uh, done. I, don't, I was just wondering where you, where you're at here. Uh, one of the takes that I kind of seen a lot and, and, you know, listen to the guys on overdrive there. Um, the biggest thing that I think that comes out of this is that, you know, out of Austin Matthews, uh, 12 years in Toronto, um, there's really no hometown discount. They didn't really get a, a discount per se. Um, is that a fair comment to make? Or do you think it is a discount in what he has? Because maybe the cap, with the cap going up and some of the contracts coming off the books, um, where are you at with his uh, home? Well, well the uh, first thing, yeah, the first thing I'd say here is the guys in Toronto probably know the situation better than I do. Like in fairness, like they're, they're living it on a day-to-day basis. Now I did interview, I don't know if you heard, but I did interview Judd Muldaver. We specifically yeah. avoided the topic of the nego because I didn't want to necessarily do a comparison and contrast. And I know we might segue into David Dreisaitl a lot of Matthews. Um, I totally understand the flexibility created in doing that term length on that deal. Like to me, and to be honest with you, I wouldn't be worried about the money. Yeah. He's no worse. Worst case scenario, he's the third best player in the league. Worst case scenario. Yes. He's probably yeah. he's probably most people would say he's probably the second best. Like we're lucky. We're in Canada, and the best player in the league is in Edmonton. And depending upon who you think's the second best, either Dreisaitl or Matthews, you know, and I realize Nate's up there too, but if you look at the productivity of the other guys, they've outproduced him in their NHL career. So if I was Toronto, I'd be happy. You got him for four more years. He was the more important guy to get done. They have a legitimate chance to win the Eastern Conference. They do. They got a good team. And what was the one comment about their team? They weren't playoff built. They yeah. didn't have the the right to, well, they, they're like the Oilers. They've added a little bit of size. Like the Oilers with, you know, Hyman, who plays a very tenacious game. Kane, who is a physical power forward. And and then obviously Ekholm on the back end. And I mean, think of, again, back to the series against Winnipeg, the Oilers had a defense pairing of Tyson Berry and Chris Russell. Okay. Yeah, great guys. Great guys. That was their second pairing. And then they had either Caleb Jones or Ethan Bear in the third pairing. Like they had a small defense. And now we're sitting here, and it's going to be Nurse 6'4", 
Uh, Ekholm, 6'4", Kulak, 6'2 and a half. Uh, right Broberg, side, Broberg, Bouchard, Bouchard, 6'2", Broberg, 6'3 and a half, uh, CC, 6'3", and then Darren, 6'7". Like, they've completely added size to their, their back end. And you look at Toronto, and they've added bite to their forward groups because the perception was they were a little soft up front. Well, now they got Reeves, who's as tough as anybody and runs around. And I know the analytics aren't pretty when he's on the ice. Well, Toronto doesn't have an issue with analytics. You know, they've been a strong butt possession team for years and years. Yeah. They can handle having a guy run around keeping people honest for nine minutes a game. Domi is uh, a very unpredictable player in a way that scares guys around the league because he can punch above his weight class. Just ask Ryan Kessler. And so he Vander Kane's a lot like that too, but maybe on the bigger side of it. Yeah, and, and Kane's but, obviously a more proven goal scorer to the yeah. stage in his career. Correct, I yeah. still like Lafferty there. Like to me, he's a hard, fast guy. So I think Toronto's done some things. Um and the 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 term length, the price point, it's the cost of doing business. We're talking about like it's a superstar player, Josh. I know. Like, like you pay your best players. That's kind of how it works in a cap system. If you uh, if you were part of our last episode, he's not a superstar player. So we had a, we, you know, Clay Vanderham and Trevor Ruptash. You've uh, been on with them before. They said if uh, they have actually uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, better than uh, Austin Matthews. That's where they have him ranked. So you know, uh, I, I love Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, I you know he yeah. never had more than sixty nine points in the season till last year. And I, I'm never going to belittle Ryan because he's one of the best people I'll ever meet in the world. But Austin Matthews is a really special player. Ryan is a great guy. He's had a wonderful career, and hopefully he finishes with over 1,000 points as an Oiler and a couple Stanley Cups. But I just said Austin Matthews is a top three player in the world yeah. all day long. Yeah, and Craig Button would agree to that. Craig Button actually was on three weeks ago, and he said anyone would be stupid. Phil, what did he say? You were... I don't know if you were there for that interview. Craig was hot. Yeah, I, I listened to it. Yeah, he 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 just made all the comparisons to like Ovi and Gretzky, and he's like, "Yeah, it's you'd be, I'd, I'd say you're stupid and you're uneducated if you don't believe that." So about Austin Matthews. The one thing I'd say, guys, is if you look at the points per game, playoffs, playoffs is one that stands out, and that's the biggest criticism he gets, Bob, and he gets that in Toronto. Right. All day long. Like they just fired their show back up this week. So noodles and O Dog were off. So they all got back together. And that's the thing. It's like, hey, great, great contract, great regular season, but you need to do it in the playoffs. You don't And that's the difference with McDavid and Dry Settle over the last two years. They lead the league in playoff scoring. Like, here's the the Oilers quick numbers for you. For those that want to criticize Ken Holland, he took over a 25th, 25th place team. Evidence got the eighth best record in the league since he took over. Since Jay Woodcroft's coached the team February 10th of 2022, Edmonton has the second best league, uh, second best record. The Oilers also uh, have played as many playoff series in the last two years as anybody else. Five, right? Nobody's played more than five playoff series. And McDavid and Drysaddle have the most uh, the most points in the league. They're one, two in playoff scoring in the last two years combined. End of discussion. It's hard to ignore what they've done. And that so, so, it bodes well. And for the Leafs, the next step is a little bit of playoff traction. Yeah. And they shouldn't have lost to Florida, you guys. The funny thing is, they probably should have beat Tampa a year ago. They probably should have lost to Tampa this year. Yes. They got they got the bounces this year against Tampa. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, so, all right. Well, no, great, great comments there. Uh, Phil, we'll move and finish up with the text line. Uh, so I'll give that to you there, uh, sponsored by our friends at CDN. So go ahead. Uh, yeah, our CDN fan text inbox sponsored by CDN Wear. Go check out their hats. Their hats are really sick, really nice hats. Uh, so we'll start off. Uh, Tyler Kirk wants to know, um, do you think Jonathan Taves plays again? And is that a good uh, move for the oil in the future? Well, I think he stated that he's not playing this year. So I don't know if he's going to play again. Part of me thinks it might be great for Jonathan Taze to retire just only playing with one team as a Chicago Blackhawk. But I'm not Jonathan Taze. It sounds, again, like he's not going to play this year. I respect a guy, you know, who says, I want to play at the top, and if I can't play at that level. Uh, you know, we're watching Joey Votto in baseball, right? And he was like a 300-plus hitter for the first 12 or 15 years of his career. And I know he's overcome some significant challenges along the way, and he's helped out a lot of people. But he's had a rough couple last couple seasons, and he's hitting around 215, 220. Um, So that's therein lies the rub. I I guess an athlete, I'll never tell an athlete what to do because I wasn't gifted or worked hard enough at the right age to have gotten to where I wanted to get as a player. So I respect the player for making the choice. But I have a sneaking suspicion that Taze sees himself in a certain light and maybe doesn't want to be a, a fourth line center at this stage in his career. All right. Uh, moving on. Jason Rostad wants to know, uh, how do you Bob personally feel about getting uh, your show moved from the 12 PM to the 5 PM? <laughs> well, we had a 14 year run, two years on 1260 and 12 years on Chad. It was the longest serving show on Chad. Um, Josh has helped educate me on uh, sort of the podcast and the things. We had 7.7 million downloads of the podcast uh, over the last calendar year, August 31st, 2022 to August 20, uh, 31st, 2023. Now our show benefits because we break our show into four parts. I personally felt the show was successful. I know the uh, the rate card for the show versus some other shows on on, on the radio station. But that said, what I think is kind of irrelevant to it, right? I'm the guy that has to execute it, and we have to continue to work at providing the best product we can. And having the best product means getting the best guests you can, which is why we've added specifically Craig McTavish and uh, uh, McClain to our yeah to our to our stable list here. Um, when you look at it, I mean, I got I think the two of the biggest insiders in the game, and Frank Cerevalli and and Elliot Friedman. I got two former NHL GMs with Brian Lott and Craig McTavish. I've got, you know, a wonderful storyteller like Ron. And uh, we've added Rob Brown for a permanent hit once a week on the show. And we've got Louie. Uh, we got George LaRock coming on. So John Shannon, who helps us out with sort of a, a television league side of things. Bottom line is, uh, years ago, there was a guy, Marty Forbes, when I first started at 1260, in, I, I met with Marty and Brent Griffiths and Carl Stark and a guy named Greg Diamond. And we met in November of 02. And uh, Marty said, Bob, the key is product, product, product. You have a really good memory and you got a decent voice uh, and you're gonna be able to find some advertisers, but the better the guests and the better information you bring, the better the show. So the show's moved. We're gonna get, you know, we've gone out of our way to get better guests. We're, we're still gonna be on the road with the team during the course of the year. It's going to, I'll be honest with you, it's going to be hard on the road at night 
when guys are going out for dinner oh, yeah. and I'm hosting the show for my hotel room. Just thought um, of that. That's, right. Yeah. And, and then in terms of on a personal level in town, it's a completely different scenario. The workload on game days might actually be a little easier. It's just, it's going to be continuous because I'm going to be on three hours before the game to an hour and a half before the game. And then I'm going to jump on during the pregame show with Reed. Then obviously I've got the broadcast to do with either Cam or Jack. Cam's going to do about three quarters of them. Jack's going to do three quarters of the game on NHL hockey and Rogers. And then of those games, I'll hop in and do the intermission. So I'll circle back that Phil just saying it's a privilege to do what I do, you know, um, Mm -hmm. And I got to execute. It's that simple. So I, hey, good question, fair question. I got to make the most of the opportunity that's there. Great answer. Um, do you have something to add to that, Bosco? Uh, there's one thing to add, but not to that. But uh, no, I, I think it's you know it it it's changing a lot of lives. There's actually the gentleman that you met at the at a restaurant here, Bob, that knows me. Uh, his name's Carmelo. Um, you ran into him and he was where I was watching his kid play hockey the other day. And he goes, man, my life is not the same right now with the noon to two is not there. He's like, he's like, I, he's, he was having a tough transition to it. So I had to educate him on how to do podcasts so he can listen to the show. Well, you helped me. You helped us. Out. I did not know that there was a separate category. I, it, so he kept on being, you told me, stop. You're always like top 10 sports podcasts yeah. in Canada, but why you don't show up in hockey? And I think what happened is when we were one of the first shows to podcast, like maybe six or seven years ago, Heck, yeah. we had a really astute uh, advertiser by the name of Jack Cookson from pro M sports. He bought the podcast before chorus I got a company called Curious Cast actually started selling the podcast. And I think they slugged it at that time as uh, sports and news instead of, uh, you know, further suggesting hockey. So, you know, you certainly said, are you guys sure this isn't, you knew, exa- you knew, what does it say that you knew exactly what happened? Yeah. And, and Jack knew two guys I know both know exactly what happened. I didn't know, like, I, just so people are aware, I don't do the Oilers Twitter, or I don't do the Oilers Now Twitter account, which has 40,000 followers. Yes. That, I, I don't do the Oilers Twitter account, and then I don't download the podcast. So, yeah. and and that's, uh, oh, that's that's somebody calling me right now saying, you're, you're going to be in trouble, stuff if you keep going here. I'm just having fun. <laughs> <to talk to you. laughs> um, Phil, do you have any fan questions? Uh, we'll... Yeah, I got, a, I got a couple more, if that's okay. Um, Lane Larson wants to know how do they solve the cap crunch next year if Brown takes up more than the cap increases? Well, they're going to have expiring contracts, right? And I think you might see a slight resolution to things on the back end. That's a good question by Lane because I think who wouldn't want to play in Edmonton right now with McDavid and Drysdale and where this team is at, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, I, I think I relate the story on the air. Chris Knobloch, it wasn't an accident. He ended up in Erie and he coached. So he coached in Kootenai, basically a pl- won the WHL championship. Then Braden McNabb knocked out Joey Hishon out of the uh, Memorial Cup and got turfed out of the tournament. And that was it for Kootenai because he was their best defenseman. Uh, yeah, like I think he was the MVP of the playoffs that year for Kootenai in the WHL. So Chris, a year later, wants the U of A job that he and Her- Herbers ultimately got. He interviewed for the job, and uh, Kootenai, in their infinite wisdom, decided to let him go. And uh, in Connor's first year in Erie, um, 
you know, Robbie Fatorik was going through a, a brutal personal matter that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. And uh, the Oilers had partnered up with Sherry Bass and the Oilers Entertainment Group, partnered up with Sherry Bass and with Erie on something, and he needed a coach. Mm-hmm. And Sherry's got a lot of time from people from Saskatchewan, and Chris Knobloch was from Imperial. And uh, so Chris was the right guy to, to go in there. He called me, oh, three practices in. He said, Bob, I may be coaching the greatest player that's ever played this game. I've never seen a kid in junior be able to do what this guy can do. And he's, you know, he's, he's, he's 15. Like he's, 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 we're not talking about a 17 or 18 year old here. And he said, Oh, by the way, um, the Leafs took a swing on a guy that's a six round pick. And this guy's going to find a way to play. His name's Connor Brown. And he's just got a relentless work ethic, dog it on the ice. And as my team gets better, he's going to really get a lot better. And uh, I think it was the next year he finished with 128 points to let the OHL in scoring. So I've always had a lot of time for Connor Brown. If you've listened to the show, I know that uh, Pierre Dorian used to get mad because I'd always say how much I loved Connor Brown when he was with the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. Uh, they, had, they had him and you did it on this show too. You did it on this show did too I? with us before he signed. Yeah. Like before yeah. he signed, said, I've always loved this guy. Yeah. So I, I'm big on Connor Brown. And that's a good, that's a good question by Lane. Like, I do think if he has any kind of success, I think he tries to find a way to stay here. Yeah. Lane also wanted to know uh, which team improved the most in the NHL this off season. Oh, well, I'll tell you which team. And then I got one more after this and then okay. that's it. I, well, I think that the team, I don't think Detroit improved as much as everybody thinks they improved. Not yeah. in the right direction. I don't think. Right. Like I just, yeah. I don't like some of their moves. I think the when, team does the, when does the heat get on him on Steve Eiserman here? I know I took away from the lane question, but does does he still get a free pass because it dates back to what he did in Tampa well, Bay? Or? I mean, if you look at their 15, 16, 17, and 18 drafts, those were run by Tyler Wright. Right. In 15, they took Svechnikov. Now the Oilers had time for Svechnikov in 15, too. He's on his third NHL team. Yeah. In 16, they traded out all the slot where Chickering was and traded down and took Jalowski. He's in the American League. In 17, they took Rasmussen. I guess you could argue he's a middle six forward now. He's ninth overall. In 18, they took uh, Zadina, sixth. Instead of Quinn Hughes at seven, Hughes was right underneath their own nose. So there must have been something about Hughes they didn't like. Um, so they didn't get, and I mean, Zadina, they bought out. So they didn't get a lot of traction with those picks, but I'm with you. I mean, it's been for like, you know what? Ken came here and took a 28th fifth place team to the eighth best record in the league over the last four years. Do you know who's had the worst record in the NHL over the last five years? Uh, is it Detroit? It is Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say yeah, Arizona, were... but I think Arizona has been pretty good. No, well, Arizona had the one year when they traded for Taylor Hall, right? Where they were yeah. squad. No, Detroit's yeah. had the Detroit's had the worst cumulative record in the league over the last five seasons. I do think they'll be better, but the team I'm watching out right now is New Jersey. And I can tell you that there's a lot of people that admire a lot about what New Jersey does uh, as an organization. And I mean, they're going to be transitioning a couple of wonderful defense prospects in. I think, you know, Edmonton's on the most of any NHL team next year down in the States. They're on 18 times. I think the Oilers in New Jersey will be the two most exciting teams in the league to watch this season. Yeah, a friend of the pod, Tyler Toffoli, is really excited to go there. So, really excited. So, hey, and for the record, I, I, I'm i big on Kirby Doc. I saw Kirby Doc actually at Claire Drake Arena a week ago Friday. 
and I thought Kirby had a chance to be as good as Jack Hughes. Kirby, like, if you looked at the first two years, Jack didn't kill it in New Jersey, but he's taken a quantum step forward. Now, Kirby's a six foot four right shot center. I think he's going to be a second line center. They played him a bit right wing last year. He might, in five to seven years, be like Shifley, but Jack Hughes is a hell of a player. Yeah. Yeah. Phil? Okay. Uh, last fan question comes from Cam Nickel. He says, who is going to be the starting lineup for first puck drop of the regular season with the Oilers? Starting lineup. Uh, all right, I'll go Kane, McDavid, and Brown. And then on defense, I'll go Nurse and Bouchard with Skinner and Goal. Is that what he means by the starting lineup? That's exactly what he means. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. And all right. that, again, was brought to you by CDN. Nice job. They're getting their plugs in. There they are. They are our, uh, our good buddy there, Marku, in, uh, in Kelowna. So he's, uh, he's a St. Albert guy, actually. I don't know if uh, you ever met him before, but uh, you got to get Bob a hat, eh? You got to get Bob a CDN hat. Well, Edmonton Oilers one, right? So <laughs> EDM is what it is. But uh, um, yeah, so I guess to close it out, Bob, um, obviously September is uh, Suicide Prevention Month. Um, today is uh, Suicide Prevention Day. As we record this on Sunday night, this interview will drop on Tuesday morning. Um, but, uh, you know, any words that you would uh, kind of have to pass on to anyone that may be going through a bit of a struggle? I know we kind of opened up with that, just the comp- compassion and empathy. But, uh, you know, I think when we listen to the these radio shows and these podcasts, um, you know, yours is the number one there, Elliot's. I have Elliot on the, on the dial, too. Um, you know, but uh, anything you wanted to kind of pass on because there's always, well, I just, I, yeah, sure, Josh. I mean, I just think, you know, you never, I'm going to circle back. You never know what people are going through. You don't know what people have experienced in their childhood. Um, you don't know what they might be going through right now. And so sometimes what happens with people is their immediate reaction is to think the worst of people. Instead of trying to figure out why, maybe I had a negative interaction along the way, and so like I've, I've made I'm 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 considerably older than both of you guys. Probably, I would say at least twenty years. Maybe what are you guys? Thirty seven, thirty eight. I'm thirty nine. Thirty nine. Yep. What about you? Thirty seven. Thirty seven. All right. So I'm I'm eighteen to twenty years older than you guys. Um, I remember when. So I've been in. <laughs> my my fantasy football team, I was playing uh, fantasy football in 1995. I'm in the same pool. Uh, it was the guys from sports scene. It used to be a monthly publication. My all Alabama team, I, I started the wrong quarterback today and I lost. Okay. And uh, I started Jalen Hurts. It was the MVP last year over Tua who threw for 450 yards and three touchdowns. And I lost because I started the wrong QB. Uh, but I, I talked about pools. I've been in uh, a pool, one pool since 1988 uh, with, with Craig Lupel. That's Joffrey's dad and a bunch of lawyer buddies. Um, and, and we used to meet at room at the top at the University of Alberta. And there was a guy named Bob Fadoon that used to go there and he was a huge Canadians fan. And he had a great passion for hockey and he ended up taking his own life. And I think it was during the 94, 95 season. And we were all, you know, Bob was just such a great guy. And we had, we never would have predicted it. Right. And, and so when, when, when something like that happens and to this day, there's still a Bob Fadoon scholarship for, uh, 
for the Golden Bears hockey program because he used to go, he used to work at the bookstore at the U of A. And it really woke a lot of us up in our in our in our late 20s, early 30s, because Bob was sort of a, a more experienced guy. And you know, just gotta just gotta try to help people and understand that, you know, it, just because maybe you you don't necessarily always know what anybody's going through. And I mean, I've there's been some times on Twitter where I've had a couple people make some do some pretty disappointing things, and then I back check on them and realize that maybe some way along the line they've had a, a mental uh a battle or so and, and i go okay okay well maybe that's a little bit more understandable so all i'd say is just be good to each other we got enough problems out there like you know at some like our teams call the orders i'm going to support oil and gas and there's going to be some people out there that don't like that how that happens in a province like alberta i don't know but it does like people are allowed to have different opinions and all I can say is just, you know, if you need some help, find a way to get some help, but just, just be decent to one another. Don't look for a way to try to break somebody down. And I think 90, you know, the one thing I would say, Josh, is people are way more understanding of it today. They are. Yeah. Than, than they were 30 years ago. I like, you know, I, I think at times, and, and I like the next federal election is going to be really interesting because you know, Polly Arab is, is is really pulling well with the younger generation, which is shocking. I can't even, you know, when I went, it's funny because I went up to Grand Prairie on Thursday and I hadn't been there since 88. And Mulroney won in the 84 and the 88 elections with the Conservatives and he had over 200 seats. And I, I brought that up because we were horsing around in Grand Prairie in 88 and we had all these fake water guns. And they had Mulrooney there in our hotel, and we didn't know that Mulrooney was there. And guys are running around with these fake Uzi guns, squirting water in one another. And the security guys are like, what the hell are you idiots doing? Like, do you not realize the prime minister's there? And at that time, like, Mulrooney was the god. He was like Reagan in Canada. And he was out, and the conservatives got eliminated in 93. And now it looks like, you know, Trudeau was the guy for a while, but it looks like we might see a bit of change. And I see society moving a little back in some regards, but the one thing that doesn't sit there and, and go across party lines is fundamental understanding for issues like this. Yeah. That's what I would say. Like everybody understands we got to contribute, just be decent to one another and, and, and show some empathy. So now that I pontificated enough on this topic, I think, you know what I'm saying here, like yeah. at the end of the day, just be decent. Don't overreact to negative interaction right away. And, uh, and you know what, be alert and be aware, but I do think we're much better at understanding this sort of stuff than in the past. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh very Your dog's true. in the background. Is that a dog or a cat? Oh, that's a dog. That's, that's, uh, that's our Bruno boy. He's uh, you want to say hi to Bob? He's, hey Bruno. He's trying to, he's, he's tired. So he's All right. tuckered out, but, uh, <laughs> uh, no, very well said, Bob, uh, you know, great, uh, great words from you. And, you know, I know, uh, one of the big, uh, interview, the, one of the headliners on your show and adding Ron McLean is, uh, yeah. love that. I, uh, more of Ron, I loved your interview with him at the central Alberta child advocacy center golf tournament for the, uh, Oilers versus flames. And, uh, yeah, I just think him adding part of your show is going to be good. And, uh, I think a lot of listeners will really like that. I know when we had him on, uh, in January last year, it was, uh, it was amazing. And we're looking forward to having him and Kelly Rudy back. Classy guy, classy guy. Very classy guy. Um, 
All right. Um, yeah, very well said. We'll end on that. Uh, remember everyone be kind, be humble. Uh, you know, stop, maybe say hello to someone that might change the conversation and might, uh, you might find a brand new friend and, uh, you might just change someone's life where you don't know where they're going through. So it just takes uh, 30 seconds to be kind and just say, Hey, how's it going? So we'd like to end on that. Everyone have a great week. We have a loaded podcast show coming up uh, throughout this week. So stay tuned to some great interviews as we have. And we'd like to thank Bob Stoffer for joining us again. Enjoy. Have a good one.